Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and regardless of whether this is your first time or perhaps you are a regular weekly listener, it's great to have you here with us today. Now, over the last few days, I have been releasing a series of three short videos. All of them are less than 20 minutes, and they're titled An Introduction to Superstylist, the Key to Creating a Productive and Profitable Salon Culture. Now, I will put a link for the free video series in the show notes for today's podcast, wherever you're listening to this. Or alternatively, you can just head straight over to growmysalonbusiness.com forward slash three videos. And that's three as in the word T-H-R-E-E. So one more time, growmysalonbusiness.com forward slash three videos if you'd rather watch than listen. However, the videos will only be available to view for a short time as they form part of the relaunch of my online Super Stylist course. But as many people do prefer listening to an audio while they're in the car or at the gym or walking the dog, I thought that I would repurpose the video content for today's podcast. And at the end of the podcast, for those of you that are interested or just curious, I will invite you to find out more about the online Super Stylist course. Now, for this podcast, I have had to change a little bit of the video content because it didn't work without the visual component. But essentially, the podcast is the same messaging as in the three video series. So let's get straight into it. Being in business is a journey, and it's a really exciting journey. Now, for some people that are listening to this, they're just starting out on the journey. For others, they're a long way into the journey of salon ownership. Either way, it's not like you or I or anyone else opens their salon on day one with the perfect business or with the solutions to the problems that over time you'll inevitably have to deal with that being in business presents. In fact, on day one, you're probably so excited at having arrived at open day that you're not even aware that there will be problems that you'll need solutions for. I think that the journey of your business can be described in many ways, but essentially you can break it down into three stages. And each stage brings its own unique challenges and problems. And each stage also brings with it its own unique solutions and opportunities. The first stage of business is simply getting your business open. Now, it's important to acknowledge that starting a business isn't easy. It's hard. And so if you've already opened a business, you should be proud of that and give yourself a well-earned pat on the back. But Often the dream or the vision to open the business is just about the beginning stage with very little thought to what happens after the salon is open. But getting the salon open is just the first stage. It's where things get real. And although getting to the point of where you get the doors open is admirable, it isn't the end. It's just the beginning. Because 
Well, now you have to build a real business. And it's that lack of preparedness and understanding about the reality of business that is a problem that almost every new salon owner experiences. Now, I opened my first salon in 1990. It was the first of four salons that I would eventually go on to open. But as I said, when you open, that's not the finishing line. That is just the starting line. It's just the beginning. That's when it gets real. Now, like many new salon owners, when I opened my first business, I knew what the services would be that we would offer. I'd set out the price list and I did a little marketing. And then I just hoped that people would know that I existed and that they would become clients. But you can't just put all your effort into getting your doors open, your website up and running and your Instagram working, and then hope that it's going to grow. You can't just hope that you'll attract the right potential staff with the same values and same commitment and the same work ethic as you. The point is that hope is not a reliable business strategy. But like me, many of us start with an abundance of hope, a strong work ethic, and a lot of luck, and little more than that. And that describes the beginning of my journey and the journey of many others into the world of business ownership. But luckily, my business grew and it grew quickly. I made plenty of mistakes along the way, but I learned and I learned fast because I had to. But there was a day when there was I call it a turning point. I call it Tuesday morning in the rain because it was Tuesday, it was at 11 o'clock in the morning and it was raining. But despite that, I want you to imagine this scenario. I was fully booked. In fact, I had four or five clients in at that time, and my receptionist had left the desk for a minute. Now, when I say I had four or five clients in, I don't mean that, you know, I, I'm Edward Scissorhands or something. I mean, I, I had, you know, a good team of people. So I had one client that I was cutting and then another client that I'd already cut. I had someone else doing a color on. Perhaps my next client was being shampooed and maybe a client that I'd cut previously that uh, had had a color done was now being blow dried by someone else. But essentially, every client that was in the salon at that point in time was mine. And as I said, my receptionist left the front desk for a moment. Now, typically, as would happen, as soon as she leaves the front desk, the door opens. And as I said, it was Tuesday morning in the rain. In fact, it was a torrential storm going on. And a lady walks in the front door and she's standing there, absolutely dripping wet with an umbrella and, you know, looking like a drowned rat. Now, the reason why that's relevant is that there's no one at the front desk and I've got uh, four or five other stylists or assistants on the floor at the time and they're all sort of looking at me, whether directly or through the mirror, for a gesture of what do you want me to do? Meaning, do you want me to leave the client that I'm with and go to the front desk? And of course, they're looking at me and they can see the, the fake smile, you know, the sort of nervous laugh where the hair on the back of my neck is starting to stand up. You know, all the signs that a salon owner like me at that point in time is about to explode. Now, why am I about to explode? Well, because just like you or many other salon owners, I had four or five other team members in the back room. I could hear them. I could hear them laughing and talking about their weekend. And, you know, I knew they were drinking coffee and having a great old time out there. You see, couldn't they see what needed to be done? 
You see, that's why I'm about to explode. Now, within the, all this entire story only took about 90 seconds to happen before the receptionist came down and took over. But that's not the point. Couldn't they see what needed to be done? Why weren't they busy? Why was I always the one that seemed to be carrying the salon? Now, as I said, as happened, within probably, you know, 60, 90 seconds, the receptionist has come back down and sorted the client out. But it was a defining moment for me. You see, like many salon owners, I thought that if you led from the front, that they will blindly follow your lead. Well, how's that working out for you so far? I often say that the Tuesday morning in the rain was an epiphany for me. It was a moment in time where I said to myself, it's not meant to be like this. This isn't why I opened a salon. I sometimes joke that it was like the hand of God came through the ceiling and tapped me on the shoulder and said, Anthony, it's not meant to be like this. The epiphany was the realization that my job isn't to be the busiest stylist in the salon. It isn't to be doing the most retail, the most clients, the most rebooking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My job my real job and the success of my business would depend on my ability to reproduce myself, not to do all the work. And that is the problem that you and I and pretty much every salon owner has to confront at some stage. Tuesday morning in the rain was the turning point for me. It was the point where I recognized that my business was a reflection of who I were at that point in time, and that in order for my business to grow, that first I needed to grow as a leader and get others to do what I could do. Now, I know that there'll be many salon owners listening to this, smiling away and nodding in agreement to themselves, and maybe a little relieved to know that it isn't just them that this happens to. Well, let me say that you are not alone. The problems are not unique to you or to me. You see, the practical skills that made you or me a good technical creative hairdresser or barber or beauty therapist are only the beginning of what made you and me successful at building a column. And if people are unable to build their column, then nothing else really matters because your business will not survive. Many salon owners open their business based on the principle in the movie, The Field of Dreams, and the idea of build it and they will come, only to find out that that just simply isn't true. In fact, it is one of the reasons why so many businesses don't survive. It's because they don't recognize that the growth of the business is dependent on the growth of the people in it. And that doesn't just happen by you working behind the chair full-time being the busiest person in the salon on the mistaken belief that leadership is simply leading by example and that your team will somehow just follow your lead like the Pied Piper of Hamlin and become professional, busy and productive stylists behind the chair. As much as you might have thought that when you opened your own salon, that you just employ nice people, people that didn't need managing, and that they would somehow just share the same values as you, and that everyone would just be busy and productive. But the reality is that it just doesn't work like that. As I said, Tuesday morning in the rain was the turning point for me. It was a realization that productivity doesn't just happen. 
It was a realization that the only way to grow the business is to grow the people in the business. And here's a really important bit. That doesn't happen on its own. It doesn't happen through some process of osmosis or or that, you know, just by being in the same room as you that they will somehow pick it up. It happens when you as the owner are intentional about making it happen. You see, growth is a formula. Growth is a system. Growth is a process. There's a blueprint to follow. It's not about hoping for productivity. It's about creating a culture of productivity. And as the owner, it's your responsibility to grow the people in your team if you want your business to grow. But that is the problem because it's easier said than done, which then leads us into the second stage of business. Because once you've got your business open, you owe it to yourself and your business to build on that. Because once you have your business open, you then need to create a sustainable business, a business that lasts, a business that has a future. And for that to happen, it means that the business has to continually evolve. In other words, to create a sustainable business means that it has to grow. And growth doesn't just happen on its own. You have to plan for it and you have to work at it. It doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't happen by demanding it. And it sure as hell doesn't happen by crossing your fingers and hoping that growth will happen. As I said earlier, the growth of the business is dependent on the growth of the individuals in the business. And as a salon owner, your job isn't to be the busiest stylist. Your job is to grow the individuals who work in the business. But let's face it, just because you opened the business doesn't automatically mean that you have the skills to manage and grow the productivity of the individuals on your team. In all likelihood, that's just something that, like most salon owners, you just hope will happen on its own. But left to their own devices, that's probably not going to happen. I used to wonder what it is that separates two hairdressers. In some cases, they're even working in the same salon. But one of them is fully booked with a great clientele, and they have a high retention rate, high average bill, and many referrals, and they earn a great income as a result. Whereas another one, who might be just as competent with a tint brush and a pair of scissors and comb, but they seem to spend most of their time in the back room, waiting for a potential client to come in. They exist on low wages, they have a low retention rate, and a low average bill. And it's rare that they even get a referral. So what is it that separates one stylist from the other? The answer is that it's not usually that they do one thing that's different. It's that they do many things that are different. But where the difference starts is that they think differently about what they do and why they do it. Now, don't just gloss over that. That is probably the most important sentence in this entire podcast. The difference starts because they think differently about what they do and why they do it. I once had a young stylist who came looking for a job. For the sake of this story, let's call him or her Sam. At the time, we didn't really need anyone, but there was something about Sam that was different. So I decided to give Sam a job. 
And then one day, about three or four weeks later, my receptionist said, Anthony, I've never seen anyone get as many new requests as Sam does. And then a couple of days later, I saw a client in the salon who smiled at me. And I asked the receptionist whose client it was. And she said that she was the waitress from our Christmas party last week. She'd never been to the salon before, but she had requested Sam. Sam grew a column like no one I'd ever seen. Within a year, Sam was the busiest stylist in the salon. Sam did the most retail. Sam had the most rebookings, the most requests, the highest percentage of color clients, the most treatments, and had the highest average bill and the best reviews. And within a year, Sam was paid the most money. And that's when other stylists started to take notice and they wanted to be like Sam. What was it that Sam did? Now, I like to say that they looked, but they didn't see. Often people look, but they don't see. And I think it's because they're looking for something momentous. And they don't see what it is. Because as I said, it's not one thing. It's lots of little things combined. You see, Sam had what was essentially a system, a method, a way of doing things that produced consistent results. Sam was the first person I called a super stylist. Sam was an example of who you have to be, how you have to think, what you need to believe, the attitude you need to have, and how you need to communicate, and above all, what you need to do, because that's what makes the difference. Now, I purposely just said, what do you need to do? Not what you need to understand or what you need to know or what you need to reflect on or what you need to ponder, because it's what you do that makes a difference. That's probably the single biggest thing that sets successful people apart. They take action, they implement, they do, and they keep on doing and learning and refining their approach until they get the result that they wanted. But most people don't do that. Most people are looking for shortcuts and magic tricks. But if you want to succeed at anything, the difference is in the detail. I think that every salon can fit hairdressers into one of four categories. The first category is what I call hungry. Now, they're probably new, not necessarily, but probably new. They're just starting out on the floor. We've all been this person. We don't yet have the technical skills fully developed, and we don't yet have the communication and people skills and the confidence fully developed. And so we're hungry to learn. We're hungry to get better. We're hungry for more. The second category is what I call the starving artist. Now, the starving artist is good at doing hair, and they have great technical creative skills. But what they lack is the communication and the people skills to attract and keep a clientele. The third category is what I call the hustler. Now, the hustler has great communication and people skills and lots of confidence, but they fall short when it comes to technical and creative skills. And so although the clients might love them, they won't forgive the less than average hair forever. And so the hustler is always looking for clients because their retention rates are low. And that brings us to the fourth category, 
the super stylist, someone who has great face-to-face -face and digital communication and people skills combined with great technical and creative skills. And so they're always busy. They're always highly productive. And as a result, they are paid very well. And as an owner, you need to make a decision about the sort of stylist that you want to have on your team. And as a stylist, you need to think about the sort of stylist that you want to be. Being good at doing hair is an expectation. There isn't enough emphasis put on that. But it takes more than an apprenticeship or beauty school and a YouTube video to make you proficient. In reality, it's a never-ending process. Success behind the chair is partly about communication and people skills and confidence, and it's partly about technical and creative skills. And if you have all of that together, you'll also have the results to back it up. That's what I refer to as the super stylist. Now, sometimes people think they are a super stylist because they can do good hair. Of course, you have to be able to do good hair, but that's not enough. That's an expectation. Of course, you, you have to have good communication skills, but that's not enough either. But if you genuinely have both those attributes, communication and people skills combined with technical creative skills, then there will be a result. And the results will be high service sales, high retail sales, high retention rates, high request rates, a high average bill, and high income levels to reflect it. And it's the results that makes someone a super stylist like Sam. And then it occurred to me, what if I or you could get everyone to be like Sam? Now, let's be clear about something. The Sam in my story is a real person, but Sam could be me, or more importantly, Sam could be you. Imagine what your business would be like if you could get everyone to be like Sam to think the way that Sam thought, to believe what Sam believed, to communicate the way that Sam communicated. In short, how could I, or how could you, clone Sam? How could you replicate someone with the attitude, the mindset, the standards and communication skills that Sam has, and do that without compromising on the authentic and genuine individuals that we all are. What would that look like? How would you do that? Where would you start? Is it even possible? And the answer is, yes, it is possible. And that it happens when you create a culture of productivity, a standard, a mindset, an attitude of this is how we do it here. And so how do you do that? Well, that leads us on to the third stage of business, which is creating a scalable business. Now, just to be clear, when I say scalable, I don't necessarily mean opening more salons, although you could do that if you wanted to. What I mean is that Sam isn't a one-off, that Sam, and more importantly, Sam's results are scalable. In other words, Sam's results become the standard for your team. And you do that by first defining what productivity looks like to you and your business, and then developing the systems, the training, and the implementation and follow-through to make it a reality. You have the potential to give yourself and your team the income, the lifestyle, and the flexibility that you want to have. 
And today, that is more important than ever before. And that's important because ultimately, as much as you should love what you do, always remember that you are more than what you do. So imagine what it would feel like if being a hairstylist or salon owner gave you the income and the flexibility and the lifestyle that you truly deserved. Well, it's possible. And why shouldn't you have it? Because other people do. But to do that, regardless of the size of your business, it's all about maximizing your productivity and the productivity of everyone on your team in the time that they are at work, whether they're full time or two days a week or three days a week or whatever. And an essential component of making that a reality begins by knowing the numbers. In order to grow, you need to not only have the right mindset, but you also need to understand the numbers that matter. And when you combine both the right mindset and an understanding of the numbers that matter, then you create a culture of productivity. And that is when real sustainable growth happens. There are six important numbers or growth indicators or key performance indicators that determine the individual's growth and therefore the business's growth. First is the number of new clients, meaning how many new clients does the individual business get within a set period of time? Second is new client retention, meaning how many of those new clients come back for a second, third and fourth visit? Third is existing client retention, which is usually defined as the number and percentage of existing clients that visit in a 30-day period and that then return within the next 90 days. Fourth is average spend, meaning the average bill or average docket or average transaction value. Fifth is frequency of visits, meaning how frequently they return. And sixth is productivity, which is usually a measure of what percentage of their available time is booked. Or another way of measuring it is what is the average dollars per hour produced? Now, when it comes to growth indicators, these are the six most important metrics that the salon owner should measure and focus on when you're building a culture of productivity. Now, I know that there are some people that don't want to measure. They don't want to be held accountable. And if you're one of those people who don't want to measure, then you probably won't like that statement. Now, obviously, hairdressing can be and is for many people a creative and enormously fulfilling career. But don't lose sight of the fact that it's also a business. And for every business, the results matter. And you have to measure those results if you want to manage them. It's all about finding a balance between the creative and emotional world of hairdressing and the rational world of business. So yes, you need to measure the results and you need to understand what those results mean. And more importantly, you need to own the result and the actions and behaviors that generate the results, whatever they are. Because it's when you take ownership of your results that you can really start to change them. Numbers are effectively just a way of measuring performance. And those numbers or results show how effective your actions and behaviors are. So if you want to change the numbers, you need to focus on changing the actions and behaviors that drive the numbers. You need to understand what the numbers in your business are really telling you. 
And then you need to make a decision about what you need to be doing if you really want to change those numbers. And once you're able to do that, you're then making decisions based on facts, not emotions. Let me give you an example of what I mean. There was a young woman who attended my live super stylist program who afterwards sent me before and after messages of her results. Anyway, to come to the point, she said that her total retail in the seven to eight days before she attended Super Stylist was $122.56. And in the seven to eight days after Super Stylist, her total retail was $659.17. That's an increase of over $536 just in her retail sales in a seven-day period. Then she goes on to say average retail per visit before was $17.51, and her average retail per visit after was $73.24. So a massive increase. Then she goes on to say, my retail to service is now 15%. And before I was struggling to reach three to 5% retail to service. So what changed? Well, it wasn't the products. It wasn't the commission. It wasn't the clients. What changed was how she thought about her role as a professional. And that then impacted on her actions and behaviors, which in turn changed her results. Let's talk about the client life cycle for a minute. Now, this data that I'm about to share with you is from Millennium Salon Software. Now, Millennium are in over 50 different countries uh, and in, in excess of 15,000 salons. And so when they put data out, it's from a very wide pool of salons. So this is what the data says. It says that if you get 10 new clients today or this week for their first visit, only four return for the second visit. In other words, you lose 60% of them. For the third visit, only two return. So out of the four that return for the second visit, you lose 50% of them after the second visit. By the time you get to the sixth visit, only one client remains. 10% retention. That is the single biggest challenge that the majority of salons face today. How do you convert? How do you retain clients? How do you fix the hole in the bucket? I think that client retention is probably the biggest challenge that salons have. There is no point in getting new clients if you're unable to keep them. As an industry, we're generally good at the first function of marketing, which is generating new clients. But marketing has three functions, and generating new clients is just the first step in marketing. The second function of marketing is turning those clients into regulars. And the third function of marketing is keeping them as long as possible. As an industry, we fall into the trap of putting all our focus on generating new clients and not enough on turning them into regulars and keeping them as long as possible. In this age of social media, most salons are able to generate a healthy flow of new clients. And by healthy flow, I really only mean one new client every day. For example, let's assume that a salon or a stylist only gets one new client a day. And assuming that they work a five-day week, that's five clients a week. Let's assume that they work 50 weeks a year. That then equals 250 new clients a year. And if we assume that they had a very conservative annual average spend of $500 as their average spend per client, then 
That equals 125,000 per year minimum. But let's be real, it's probably nearer 250,000 a year. But only if you're able to keep them or even half of them. You see, the problem is that most salons are good at getting clients, but they're sabotaging their own growth by not keeping the clients that they have. The easiest and most cost-effective way to improve your client retention rates is getting them to pre-book their next appointment before they walk out the door. Let me share a couple of examples with you. There was a young man who went through my Super Stylist online course who sent me a DM saying, Anthony, I set a goal to beat my previous best December, and I topped it by $5,000. I achieved this by focusing on my rebooking in September and October. I worked out a script that felt authentic, and I stuck to it for every client, and it worked a treat. Thank you. And then there was a young woman who said, my first day back in the salon, I rebooked 90% of my guests, and I sold retail. Your class was extraordinary. Thank you. So what changed? It wasn't the clients. It wasn't the economy. What changed was how the stylist thought about their role as a professional, and that impacted on their actions and behaviors, which in turn changed their results. Change starts with how you think about what you do, and then learning a way of communicating an approach, a set of actions and behaviors. And when those actions and behaviors become a part of who you are, then that will produce a predictable and consistent result. In other words, there is a way to do everything, whether it's a haircut or color or a consultation or talking about retail or rebooking or asking for referrals. And if it's done that way, if it's done the right way, it will most likely produce a predictable and consistent result. How you do everything within your business needs to be based on a system, a best practice way of doing it. But that doesn't mean that I'm talking about a robotic, do you want fries with that approach? A system simply means defining a way of communicating that is authentic to you and in line with your brand experience and that reflects your values, your culture, and that is most likely to produce a predictable and consistent result. If it's a system, it's replicable, and you're able to get yourself and those on your team to also produce the same consistently high results. I want you to imagine this. What would your life be like if you had already achieved it? Just think about that for a minute. What impact would it have on your lifestyle and your business if you already had a business that didn't depend on you to be the most productive behind the chair? What would it mean if you already had 15, 20, 25% of your revenue coming from retail alone? What would it mean if you already had a salon where you averaged 75% of your clients pre-booking their next appointment before they walk out the door? What impact? Would it have on your salon if you were able to increase your average bill by 20, 25, 30% or more? How would that make you feel? What would it mean to you if all your team were trained in a system so that there was a brand standard and consistency in everything? What would it mean to you and your team if they could all earn more? What impact would it have if your salon was already more profitable and you were able to pay yourself and your team more? What would it mean 
if you could fall in love with your business all over again? Wouldn't that feel amazing? Imagine what your life would be like if in 12 months' time, if you'd already achieved that. Well, you can. It's time to put the past behind you. It's time to push the reset button. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, for those of you that are ready or just interested and curious to find out more, I would invite you to find out all about the relaunch of Superstylist, the online course. Now, I know that some of you have already been wanting to join up and others are just curious about it. Either way, it's fine. It's totally up to you. But all I wanted to say is this. If you want the next six to 12 months to be better than the last six to 12 months, you have three options. Option one is that you keep doing what you've always done and just hope for a different result. Or option two is that you spend the time to develop the systems and make the time to implement the training yourself. Option three is that you commit to embracing a proven system to train your team to become the best all-round hairstylists, barbers, or beauty therapists that they can possibly be. Now, if you know that you need to make a change, then option one obviously isn't for you. And when it comes to option two, let's just acknowledge that if you had the time and resources to develop the systems and implement the training yourself, then you would probably have already done it. So let's talk about option three, which is that I take the pain away from you having to do it, and I do it for you. So if my message and the content of this podcast has resonated with you and you feel like it's been relevant and you're ready to change your business and potentially your income forever, then today I'm going to extend an invitation to you to join us for the relaunch of Superstylist, my online course. The Superstylist course that aimed at helping every hairstylist, barber or beauty therapist maximize their true earning potential while at the same time creating happy clients and building a successful, profitable business in the process. So if that's something that interests you, to find out more, I would suggest that the best and easiest thing to do is to visit my website, which is growmysalonbusiness.com forward slash SS invite. So let me tell you that again growmysalonbusiness.com forward slash SS invite and watch the video titled An Invitation to Superstylist where everything is explained in more detail and every possible question is answered. Now this is time sensitive. This course is only open for registration until the end of day on Sunday the 4th of December. And then it won't be relaunched until sometime in 2023. So once again, to find out everything you need to know, visit growmysalonbusiness.com forward slash SS invite. So with that said, thanks for staying until the end. And so to wrap up, thank you for listening to this week's podcast. I'll speak soon. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. 
And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.